Our scripture passage for today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks be to God. And hello, everyone. Good morning. Good to see all of you who have made it out. Thank you so much for joining us on this very cold, frigid day. And of course, we welcome those of you who are watching us online. We are hoping and praying that you are safe with your loved ones and they can enjoy uh, this wonderful snow that is outside amongst us. Uh, just a quick clarification with one of the announcements that Hannah made about the D board elections. Just letting you know that when you get your nomination forms or the ballots, members, you can vote to as many of the three individuals that you want. If you feel one of them you want to serve as D board member, you can just vote for one. If you think two of them, you can vote for two. If you think all three are qualified to serve on D board, you can vote for all three. So just know that you don't have to pick only one or two. You can pick all three of our nominees. Okay, so just want to make sure that you understand that. So when you receive your ballot on Saturday, you are free to vote your full uh, convictions. Okay, so with that said, let's bow our heads and ask for God to bless our time together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. For indeed, they are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. Lord, now we ask that you would bless us, that in spite of all the challenges and all the hurdles that we've had to face and continue to face, Lord, we look to you to be our strength, to be our inspiration, so that we would not only endure but persevere with hope. Father, we ask that in spite of all the circumstances that we are surrounded by that seem so daunting, that we would see the victory of our God and our King, knowing that nothing can be done against us and no one can stand against us to where we will not prevail because our great God has won the victory for us. And so, Lord, may we be reminded of that glorious truth and that you would convey that in today's message in spite of the one who brings it. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen, amen. So, guys, I hate running. I mean, I really hate running. So much so that whenever I'm in the car and ever I see runners around me, you know, people who run around in their nice running gear, you know, running in their nice running form, my reaction is always the same. And that is I can't wait to get home as soon as possible, sit on my nice cushiony couch, and have a big fat book open on my lap. Now, of course, I don't ever share this sentiment with my wife, who's usually next to me in the car, because, well, my wife, Sarah, she loves to run. And every time she sees those same runners to which I see in the car, her reaction is exact opposite. She's always bemoaning, always complaining. Oh, I wish I could run just like this person. I wish I had the opportunity to run. Oh, I just love to run. I just want to run, 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 run. Her voice goes up like that. Run, 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 run. Now, this differing reaction between my wife and I further accents as to why she's a much wiser person than me. Why is that? Well, it turns out if you ever read the Bible, you would come to find that one of the best ways the Bible tells us on how we should see and therefore live our lives is to see it as a race to which we are 
to run it. Consider these words from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Turns out the Bible says that one of the ways that we should see our lives and hence live it is to see it as a life of running, including for someone like me. Why? Well, because as we'll see in just a moment, it's when we see our lives like this that we get to see things about ourselves that so often we miss. Let me explain. You know, running enthusiasts will tell you there are a wide variety of runners. There's the long-distance runner. There's the short-distance runner. There's the marathon runner. There is the sprinting runner. There is the cross-country runner. There is the indoor track runner. But the Bible tells us there's only two kinds of runners when it comes to the types of people on how they run their lives. And that is the person who's always either trying to run away from things or there's the person who's always running after things. Okay, And when you consider how most people run their lives, it is clear most people live as if they're always running away from something, whatever that something might be, running away from singleness, running away from aging, running away from being canceled in our culture, what have you. Most of us live our lives as if we're a fugitive on the run, trying to avoid the things that if we ever were confronted by, makes us so discouraged, make us so depressed, maybe even make us feel so doomed. And here's the thing. This is not how God wants us to run our lives. He does not want us to live like this to where we're always running away, but instead he always wants to live our lives as if we are running after something. Why? Because the former is driven by fear. The other is driven by hope. And as we take a look at our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18, here the Apostle Paul is going to teach us on how we should run our lives, of how we should change the mindset of not running away, but instead running after, so that we're not living in fear, but we're living in hope. And so with that in mind, three things I'd like to share with you that Paul says that we are to run after if we are to have a running after mindset, and they are as follows. First, Run after the spiritual. Second, run after the good. And finally, run after the person. Run after the spiritual, the good, and finally, the person. Let's begin with the first point. First, run after the spiritual. Read again with me verse 16 of our passage where Paul says the following. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, in order to understand what Paul is saying here, you have to zero in on how he begins this verse with that phrase that goes like this. We do not lose heart. We do not lose heart, or as some translation puts it, we do not lose hope. And the reason why Paul begins this way is because he's trying to show us the contrast between a person who is running away from something versus someone who is running after something. You see, according to Paul, a person who runs after after something is someone who does not lose heart and therefore does not lose hope. But conversely, a person who is running away from something is someone who will lose heart and hence will be hopeless. You know, it's interesting. Whenever the Bible describes a person who is hopeless, it always describes such people as those who feel as if their entire life is cursed. Consider these words from Proverbs 15, 15, where it goes like this. For the despondent every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. In other words, for the hopeless person, every day feels like a crisis to run away from because every day is absent of any sense of peace that would allow any sort of festivity, any kind of celebratory joy. And here in our passage, Paul tells us one specific reason why so often we have this hopeless 
slash running away mindset. He says it in the middle of verse 16. He says, though our outer self is wasting away. You see that phrase, outer self? According to New Testament scholars, Paul is literally referring to our physical bodies. But these same scholars go on to tell us that he's not only talking about our physical bodies, but also to what our physical bodies symbolize, namely the material world to which our physical bodies exist in. The same material world that we see and taste and touch and so forth in our five senses, okay? And notice what Paul says about our outer self, this physical body and hence the material world that it's a part of. What is it doing? It's wasting away, wasting away. Now, by saying this, Paul is giving all of us a very stern warning. And you know what that is? It's basically this. Stop putting your hope in this material world as if it's the only world that exists. Again, stop putting your hope in this material world as if it's the only world that exists. Because if you do, you will be despondent. You will be despairing. You will lose heart. You will be hopeless. Because anything that you can put your hope in in this world will eventually waste away. You know, every now and then in my sermons, I bring up the fact that I am losing my hair, that I'm balding. And, you know, I say that sometimes for some comic relief as I preach, but I got to be honest with you. When I'm home alone, in the bathroom at least, because I'm never home alone, but whenever I'm home alone in the bathroom and I see the growing patch of scalp that used to be filled with rich, luscious black hair, I get filled with such, how should I put it, negative energy. And the best way I try to explain this negative energy is that I feel like I need to run away. I feel like I need to escape because I feel like I'm in the presence of danger, specifically my own mortality symbolized through my balding head. Now, you guys can laugh at me all you want, but I assure you every single one of you at some point will face something comparable. In fact, I'm willing to bet you already have. I'm currently reading a very interesting book right now by a professor of psychology named Clay Rutledge, and the title of his book is called Supernatural. And in the book, he gives a very profound and persuasive explanation as to why little children love superheroes that can fly. Did you know that out of all the possible superpowers, the flying ones, the the power to fly, is the most popular one? And he, he explains that the reason why kids gravitate towards superheroes that can fly is because it represents how they wish they could feel or what they could do when it comes to their own subconscious fear of death. It turns out little children have a subconscious fear of death and their instinctive desire to run away is expressed and projected to the superhero who can fly. Isn't that interesting? Even little kids are aware at their young age that there's something about this world that they live in to where they know they need to get away from it. They need to run away, or in this situation, fly. And Professor Rutledge goes on to say that as we children grow and mature, that kind of subconscious fear of death manifests into this mindset of always wanting to run away from anything that symbolically represents their own mortality. And of course, this could be anything under the sun. I already mentioned singleness, or even, however, never being able to get pregnant, or maybe never being employed by a job, or in this instance for myself, growing bald. And here in our passage, Paul tells us how we can stop being this way. We need to change our thinking to where we shift the mindset of running away to a running after mindset. And our passage, Paul zeroes in on what specific thing we should run after. Read again a portion of verse 16. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
Here Paul tells us what we are to run after. We are to run after the very thing that allows our inner self to be renewed day by day. And if you're familiar with the writings of Paul, you know exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about the spiritual. The spiritual. Consider what he says elsewhere in Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner being. The phrase inner being or inner self all assumes the existence of the spiritual realm or the spiritual world because that is where your inner being, inner self resides. That is where it's originated and that's where it exists. And that is the world, Paul says, that we are to put our hope in. That is the realm to which we should be running towards. We should be running after the spiritual. Why? Because unlike the material world that is wasting away, this spiritual world It never fades away. So what does this mean? It means as you live your life in this material world, right? Always live with the awareness and anticipation of another world besides this material world. Again, because if you don't, you will be despondent, you will be despairing, you will lose heart, and you will be hopeless. Consider these insightful words from Pastor Joel Stoll as he once wrote this, quote, Life is most disappointing, most despairing when it is lived as though this world is all we have. Questions have few answers and crises become all-consuming. Thankfully, this is not the only world. Christ connects us to the eternal world to come and provides for us an eternally redeemed world within. This present world makes sense only when we live here in light of these other worlds. As Paul says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied, end quote. If you don't want to live in a state of hopeless despair, you must live with the awareness and anticipation of another spiritual world and you are to run after it. You must run after the spiritual. Now, it's at this point, some of you might be wondering, PJ, how do I know if I really believe in the spiritual? Because what so often happens for people who go to church, growing up in the church, is we can say we believe these things, especially if we've been taught at a young age to always believe in it, but what so often happens is that you get a little bit older, you come to find at some point, you don't know when, you stop believing in it, or worse, you never believed in it at all. And this could be one of those instances. So do you have some sort of diagnostic, do you have some sort of test that I can conduct on myself to see if I have the belief in the spiritual within me? That's a great question. And to answer, let's go to my next point. Run after the good. Read again with me verse 17 of our passage where it reads, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Here Paul identifies for us how we can determine whether or not we have it in us, the belief in the spiritual and hence the ability to run after it. It's all determined by how you can see your afflictions a certain way. And what does Paul say? that people who believe in the spiritual, how they should see their afflictions. They should be able to see it as what? Momentary or temporary things. Momentary or temporary things. Now, of course, by saying this, Paul is not minimizing, he is not dismissing the pain and sorrows that we all go through in life. And furthermore, Paul would be the last person to say such things. Just read through the book of Acts. Just read his New Testament letters. Paul is no stranger to some of the worst pains and sufferings that life can throw at any of us. And so by saying momentary afflictions, he is not dismissing and therefore disrespecting any of us in light of the sufferings that we may or will go through in life. But what he is trying to do 
is give us a test that we can conduct on ourselves, a diagnostic to see whether or not the belief in the spiritual really resides within. And again, it all comes back to whether or not you can see your afflictions as momentary things. Back when I was in college, I was part of the Navy ROTC program. And one of the things that the program did is that it would invite, on a weekly basis, uh, outside speakers in the military, usually high-ranking officials, to share their stories and to give us a preview of what our lives might be like in the military. And I remember one week, they invited a Marine Corps first sergeant, a first sergeant in the Marine Corps. And you guys know how you can tell someone is very dangerous just by looking at them? Well, that was this guy. Even our own gunnery sergeant, who's a pretty intimidating dude, even he was very anxious around this person, and rightly so, because what he shared, the stories that he did in his life, I mean, let, let me just put it this way. This man fought in wars that the news will never report on, okay? That was this guy. And here's the thing. During the Q&A part of his session, one of my fellow classmates, a fellow midshipman, said, First Sergeant, how are you able to maintain your cool and composure when people are launching missiles at you, throwing grenades, and shooting bullets at you? How are you able to stay so calm? And to this day, I will not forget what he said. He said this, guys, just remember this, that no matter how dark of a place you're in, no matter how overwhelmed you might be at any given moment while you're trying to do your job, just know this, that a year from now, you'll be able to look back with a Coke and a smile. That's all he said. And to this day, it has stuck with me. A year from now, you'll be able to look back. No matter how bad it is, you'll be able to look back with just a Coke and a smile. And as I think back to those words, I can't help but to wonder if this first sergeant was a Christian because he exhibited the symptoms of a person who believed in the spiritual. He was able to have the mindset of seeing his afflictions as momentary things because that is what Paul says a true believer of the spiritual does. A true believer of the spiritual who is capable of running after it is someone who is able to see their sorrows, their pain, their miseries as momentary things that it will not last forever. The dawn will break. The light will shine through. But conversely, if you're one of those people who is chronically a Debbie Downer, who is always at a baseline of anxiety and fear, if you're one of those people who see all of your pain and miseries as ongoing, pervasive, and permanent, then chances are you're a person who is not a believer of the spiritual in spite of what you say with your words. Because a person who really is a believer of the spiritual is capable of seeing their afflictions as momentary things. Now, you're coming back at me with another question right now. If I had a guess, it would go something like this. Okay, PJ, I I hear what you're saying. You're saying, if I want to know if I really believe in the spiritual to where I can run after it and hence live a life of hope, I need to be able to see my afflictions as momentary things. But what if... I kind of go back and forth on this because there have been times when I was suffering and I was able to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but then there were other times when I was suffering, I couldn't see any light at all. It was all darkness. And so I'm not sure. There are times where I do think of them as momentary things. There are times where I think they're never-ending. So how do I interpret this? Is there a way, another diagnostic, another test you can give to me so that I can know whether I see my afflictions as momentary and therefore believe in the spiritual? I think there is. Take a listen to this other quote from Pastor Joel Stoll. It's very insightful, but also a pathway to understanding the answer. He says this, quote, Whether our present pain is chronic or occasional, physical or emotional, one truth can help us endure. It's all temporary, soon to be replaced by a permanent pain-free body. Placing our minds on heaven gives us the right perspective of pain. As Marty and I often said during difficult days of parenting, this too shall pass. 
If heaven is in focus, these words ring soothingly at the core of our being, end quote. (laughs) I find it interesting that as he's talking about the topic of pain and suffering, he brings up the issue of parenting, right? (laughs) And yet for those of us who are parents, we know exactly what he is talking about, right? But it also draws our attention to something that so often we don't realize until we get a little bit older in life. And you know what that is? It's basically this. Doing good things most often requires going through pain and misery. To do good things in this world most often requires us a need to go through suffering and pain. Okay? Raising children in a stable home is a good thing, and it's good for society. But any parent of young kids will tell you it is filled with turmoil and trauma and pain and sorrow. Fighting for one's country, serving in the military is a good thing, and it's good for society. Because just as that first sergeant told me all those years ago, it is a good thing. And yet, just as he also said to me, it also required him a willingness to go through a lot of pain and suffering. But now here's the question. Who in their right mind would ever do such good things if they had the mindset that afflictions are anything but temporary, but they're ongoing and they're never ending? The answer, no one, no one. You see, a person who believes in the spiritual is able to see their afflictions as momentary. And because they can see their afflictions as momentary, they're willing to do hard things that are good for the world. You see? But conversely, a person who doesn't believe in the spiritual doesn't see their afflictions as momentary. And because that is so, they're never willing to do anything good in this world because they don't have that kind of momentary mindset when it comes to their afflictions. This is another diagnostic you can conduct on yourself on whether or not you really believe in momentary afflictions. You're willing to do good things. You're willing to run after the good. A person who's willing to do good things in this world that require so much pain and hardship is an indication that you see your afflictions as momentary things, which further reveals you believe in the spiritual. This is exactly what C.S. Lewis was trying to get at when he said these words all those years ago. Listen to what he says. Quote, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Those who are heavenly minded are the most earthly good because their heavenly mindedness are able to give them the right perspective to their afflictions. It will pass and therefore I should go through it to do good things in this world. You see? Now, it's at this point, some of you are at a shocking revelation because I just gave you multiple diagnostic tests to conduct on yourselves on whether or not you believe in the spiritual, and now you've come to find that you don't believe in the spiritual, either because you don't see your afflictions as momentary, either because you don't find yourself willing to run after doing good things, or maybe because you just don't believe in the spiritual period. And as a result, all you have waiting for you is a life of losing heart and being frequently hopeless. And the question is, is there anything that you could receive to where you could believe in the spiritual? And of course, I would say, yes, there is. And to tell you what that is, I go to the last point for today. Run after the person. Read again verse 18 of our passage where we read, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Here, Paul tells us how we can 
believe in the spiritual. It's very simple, says Paul. You just need to see what you cannot see. You need to look to the unseen. Now, I know you hear that and you're like, Paul, you done lost your mind just now. How in the world are you able to see the unseen? You're thinking Paul is crazy. But before you come to that conviction, let me interject and to say, I don't think he's being crazy at all. And let me tell you why. Personal story. Uh, recently, my older children have recently, recently my children have recently confessed to me that they have a hard time believing in the idea of God, right? That they struggle with doubts of whether or not he is real. And they explain because he's invisible. They can't see him. He's not present in their lives the way their mother and I are present. And you would think that as their father and also as a pastor, that that would freak me out. That confession would be like, oh, no, what am I going to do? But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not worried at all. I'm not sweating anything. Why? Because I know that as they get older, they're going to develop an awareness of something that they cannot see, smell, touch, taste, or hear. And this awareness in their minds, is going to feel like a desire. But it's going to be a desire that's very confusing, it's very elusive, it's very nebulous, and therefore it's going to be a throbbing, inconsolable desire. And at first, they're going to think it's going to be a desire for a place that they hope to once, one day get to, or maybe for a person they hope to one day meet, or maybe a thing they hope to possess through their achievements. But as they will discover, as their father has, no person, place, or thing will be able to comfort this inconsolable desire and yet they will never doubt the existence of this unknown thing they desire because it's going to be just as real to them as something that they can see with their own two eyes and friends i am willing to bet that you know exactly what i am talking about i'm betting that you have experienced and you still experience this inconsolable nebulous desire whether you are a christian or a non-christian and because that is so, I am convinced we are to come to the same conclusion that C.S. Lewis once said when he penned these words, quote, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world if none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it that does not prove that the universe is a fraud probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it but only to arouse it to suggest the real thing end quote the fact that you and i desire something that we have never seen should be foolproof evidence that you're capable of seeing the unseen including the spiritual including the god who is spirit now, at this point, you're like, okay, pastor, I'm up to you there when you talk about this desire that Lewis speaks of, but I don't know if I can go so far as to say that it's really a desire for God, specifically your God, you know, the Christian God. And I would beg to differ. You know why? Because of the gospel. That's why. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that says that the one and only true God loved you so much. What did he do? He ran after you. He pursued you. He runs to you. Almost like a father running after a prodigal who finally comes home when he comes to his senses. And the way that this God runs after us is that he leaves the spiritual and he comes into this material world, but he comes in a form that's unimpressive, 
unattractive, and therefore perceived falsely as being unlovable, Jesus Christ, and he suffers the most degrading, humiliating death on the cross as full payment for all of your sins, my sins, past, present, and future. Why? So that you could be spared from the only permanent affliction that is truly hopeless, that is being separated from him in his love and being in a place that we call hell. That is the gospel. And when you understand this gospel, but more importantly, when you believe the love that is behind this gospel that is directed towards you, friends, you will start believing in the spiritual. And not only that, you'll start running after the spiritual or more correctly, you'll start running after the God who first ran after you because you'll come to find that this God, he is your hope. He is the one that you run after. And as you have more hope in this God, the more you run after him, the more you will see all of your afflictions, all of your pain, all of your sorrows as what? Small samplings of what Jesus had to endure when he ran after you, thereby making his love for you more potent, more inspiring to where you're willing to go through afflictions to do good things because you're imitating him who went through the greatest affliction of all to provide the greatest good of all, the salvation of your soul. Do you get that? This is how you believe in the spiritual this is how you run after the spiritual. This is how you have hope. You run after the God you hope in who first ran after you in Jesus Christ. If you believe that, then friends, you have a whole life ahead of you where you're no longer living by fear, always running away, but you're living in hope no matter how dark, how sinister, how overwhelming you are feeling right now. Because you're running after the God who is your hope. The God who has given you hope through him. May that be your life. May it be how you run your life here on out. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your grace and your mercy would be upon us so often, Lord. We look at how we run our lives and it always seems like we're always running away. Thereby always living in fear rather than running after therefore having hope. But Father, we know that it is only in the gospel that we find the ways in which we are able to live by hope. No other faith, no other religion, no other God is able to do this but you. And so, Father, I ask that on behalf of these saints here in person or watching, that you would help us to hear this beautiful truth of the gospel so that we would have our mind shifted so that we would be driven by hope and not fear and we would stop running away and start running after you who is the God of our hope. Help us to believe this now and keep on believing it so that whatever remaining days that we have in this material world, we would do good things, showing people the hope that is theirs in Jesus Christ. Hear us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's all